driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Oh man, is it uh, Tuesday already? I don't really, I'm getting to that sort of slump of not knowing what day of the week it is, but I do know that I'm happy to be here with you, and we hope that you're happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are today. This weather is uh, is remarkable. I saw somebody, uh, oh, I know, it was uh, some um, right-winger posting about how, see, look, there's no no dramatic uh, weather. There's not any, there's not heavy snowfalls. Where's all this climate change? Are you kidding me? It was 50 degrees at midnight last night in the middle of... January. It's a severe weather shifts. It's and look, fine. If you don't want to have anything to do with the fact that the the climate is changing, that there is a uh, something that we could do about it, uh, whether it's emissions or our own personal responsibilities, uh, fine. But at least admit that there are severe weather situations and tragedies where we need to be prepared and know what to do, whether it's people that are living on the shores or along rivers, uh, where they're along the plains, where there are heavy winds, uh, what we do structurally in order to uh, survive Mother Nature in so many different ways. But uh, yeah, anyway, just wanted to get that off my chest because uh, this weather is weird. I don't, I'm not, I'm not hating it. I'm not hating the fact that... Uh, I, I get accused of jinxing weather. I'm one of those people that will uh, put away things too early in the season. And people are like, oh, great. Now we're going to have a blizzard because you put your boots away in April. I'm just saying, so I don't know if I should even discuss how much I appreciate this weather, but I do. I think I think appreciation is fine. Uh, so I do. I like this weather. Uh, it gives my uh, son a chance who is uh, continuing to recover uh, from his inability to walk suddenly last no, uh, last May. And um, I did put a video on uh, on my uh, Facebook page. So just a little quick update. Uh, and thank you so much to everyone that has uh, sent wonderful and kind words of support and good vibes and prayers. Uh, he is, uh, he's powering through. He, you know, there are times when he is clearly frustrated for those of you who are, who don't know, and, and I shouldn't assume that people are familiar with my family. My son Declan was born with a neurological disorder called corpus callosum disorder, hypoplasia, which means there's a thinning of his brain, uh, down the midline and it has affected him globally. It's something that happens, uh, in the first 20 weeks of development. It's not something that we could have uh, known what, uh, what that was going to, uh, lead to what the prognosis would be. We didn't know when he, when I was pregnant, that he would have this disorder. Uh, some people never know that they have it. Others are more significantly affected uh, than Declan is. And uh, and again, so I, I met a woman. Oh gosh, about uh, twelve years ago. Uh, so Declan was about five, and I was doing a conference, an education conference, on being the mother of a child uh, with uh, significant intellectual, intellectual and physical disabilities. And I was telling the story about uh, when he was born, and that we we didn't know if he was uh, um, going to survive. And and uh, one of his uh, specialists said, if your son does survive, and this was, we he was just two weeks old, folks. And all we had asked, because he'd gone from life support to uh, ventilation to he was on oxygen. And every few days they would say, well, he's going to go home in three days. He'll go home in seven days. He'll go home in 10 days. And then we were afraid to ask. And finally, the neurologist came in and we asked him what he thought. And he goes, uh, well, I'm not entirely sure that uh, he's ever going to walk or talk or surpass the intellectual ability of a two-year-old. And that was, wow, it was, um, 
really having not just the wind knocked out of us, but you know, when you dream about your your future with your your children, with your family, um, you know, especially because we had uh, Griffin, who was at the time uh, just barely two years old. We imagined this life for them as brothers, you know, playing baseball and playing Marco Polo in the pool and uh, building tent forts and all. And in in that flash of a second, when the neurologist said he may never walk, he may never talk, he may never surpass the intellectual ability of a two year old um it's it was it's harsh it's one of the reasons why i created my company which is called with kind words uh to talk to medical professionals and educators about how we have these conversations when you are delivering life-altering news um and and it was uh it was hard and uh and i i'm telling you this part of it because when i met this woman when declan turned five because declan could not talk uh was not surpassing the intellectual ability i guess the sort of markers that you measure someone's progress by and uh at five i started giving speeches ab- about how to talk to families like ours and this woman came up to me just crying she was absolute she was so uh, upset um and but it wasn't it was just more she felt that she had um uh, there, she was. She had that there by the grace of God go I kind of emotion because her daughter had been born with some uh, physical abnormalities that had been had resolved through surgeries. She had a cleft palate. She had some. Uh, she had scoliosis, um, but had but for uh, uh, everything else, uh, she had developed fairly well. Was developmentally, intellectually, uh, very strong. She her daughter, as a matter of fact, at the time was twenty two years old. Was in a gr- grad school program, and was suddenly suffering severe migraines and um and they couldn't figure out the the why the source of that and they ended up doing uh, an mri or a cat scan and they found that she had the same disorder that my son did that she had a hypoplasia a thinning of the of her corpus callosum which is really just this highway of fibers that go down the middle of your brain and make all of your development possible your gross motor skills your fine motor skills uh high functioning thinking critical thinking uh language processing the ability to speak all those things and uh and they were able to address it and she just felt like hearing my story she was embarrassed. she felt bad cuz she was like i'm just so relieved i didn't go what you went through what you did and i got it it wasn't like a um I feel sorry for you kind of a thing, but she just, it was, it was really moving. And, and I look, I have those moments when I meet other parents who, for whatever reason, their, their lives have changed. Uh, and their child is, whether they're born with a disability or come to it through accident or development or something happens, there's a hiccup and, uh, and it's not easy. And this has been, I will say for my husband and I, for the last eight months, the hardest thing we've gone through since Declan was born, um, because the 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 thing that he really had what he really loved to do was to walk because he it was his that was his form of independence right he could uh, if he didn't want to sit in the window he could go to the basement he could go to his room he could go sit in a different place he could walk around and play with things and explore when we when we, when we would go on trips i mean he would just he loved to walk and and we are working on it we are hoping that we get him back there it's just been a very slow tough road without any answers as to why he spontaneously lost the ability because for 17 years could it be the the fibers in his brain because 
you know, there have been moments along the way where he could do one thing, like humming. When he was three years old, he could hum the uh, tune, the uh, the theme song for Thomas the Tank, Tank Engine. <laughs> and uh, Spider-Man, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then that just went away like we thought we thought that was going to be sort of the precursor to him having the ability to talk but it went away but this was the thing that he had for from he started walking late he was uh, three years old and so for four almost 14 years we would go i mean during the pandemic we went on up to three mile walks two mile walks and yeah i mean you'll see photos of me giving him a piggyback ride because one i well we don't know if he ever it was actually getting tired but he knew that mommy would give him a piggyback ride that's why i did crossfit for so long was so that i could give him those piggyback rides and help him when he needed it uh so this has been just really hard so i i, I want to thank everyone who has um sent kind words and uh, again there's a I'll, I'll post another video I, I took a video of him this morning he does walk with a walker uh they're trying a new avenue of treatment hoping to uh, relax his mu- muscles and his legs because he's locked up and we don't know how much of that is him sort of resisting and tightening up and being like his foot is tender but we've gotten some movement back in his left foot the, there was none uh last summer and uh every day i'm like see look he wiggled his toe i mean that's the thing is that if you can be present for everything, once you get through all the anxiety, and believe me, I have my anxieties and and uh, I have my bouts of depression uh, because this is a lot. And I know that Declan does. That's the thing is that like Declan just, you know, he doesn't know how to tell us. He doesn't have words. Um but, he, you know, we have those moments. But if you can be present for the gains, for the victories, uh, it makes life just... I mean, at night, I'm like, look, he's wiggling his toe. I get so excited because I massage his foot, you know, because we both have had colds. I've been putting the Vicks Vapu Rub on his feet, um, and I'm getting a little bit of movement on those left toes. You know, I, I play, you know, this little piggy, and I'm sure he's annoyed. He's 17, and he can't tell me, Mom, seriously. You know, and I, you go back and forth trying to find what works. Um, but... There is a, there, my husband said that uh, the last eight months has been a real kick in the head, and it has. And uh, I can't thank the people that I work with here at WCPT uh, for giving me the not only the space, but the support and encouragement to get through those seven or eight weeks when we were in the hospitals uh, and just everything. You, the listeners, uh, the conversations that we have, you know, I, when I was at, when I was at uh, Shirley Ryan, I watched MSNBC like all the time. And uh, look, I was heading into those uh, November elections, not sure which way it was going to go. And being here with you and having these conversations have, have given me a lot of energy and a lot of uh, focus. Um, so I can't thank you enough for that. I want to thank all of my uh, coworkers and my bosses at the Illinois Office of the Controller uh, because, man, it's just... I, because when I do that work, when I'm calling service providers and I'm making sure, do you have the support that you need? If you, people in early intervention and people who care for seniors and people who provide health care, I, I, that's one of the reasons I, I, I got this job. Controller Mendoza knows that I know what it's like to not be able to get those supports to, because the most important people outside of my family and friends are the people who give Declan those services, physical therapists, the caregivers, the, the aides at his school. And if they're not supported, I can't function. So 
if I can't, and I have an incredibly supportive family, I am in a position where uh, I can walk to work. I can work sometimes from home. Imagine people who can't do that, who are working all day long, working two jobs, who can't find caregivers or babysitters or ABA therapists or physical therapists. That's why I started going to Springfield, because families like mine are in your communities. And our ability to function and to contribute and to go shopping and go eating at your restaurants really rests so much on the caregivers in our lives. So one, thank you to all the caregivers and the providers who make uh, our lives so much easier, the ones that are working hard, and and so many of them are so invested in the people that they work with. If you know, during the the governor's, uh, Governor Rauner's budget impasse, there's so many stories we are never going to really hear, and and I had wanted to catalog as much as I could, but I remember one that stuck out for me, which was a caregiver who, because payments had stopped, for a lot of these aides and, and people who really their job is to make sure someone continues to breathe and is comfortable and they clean them because they can't go to the bathroom by themselves. And I remember one worker worked for eight weeks without pay because they knew that the person they cared for was not going to survive without that work, without that support. So I just, uh, I love doing the, the work that I do during the day. I love being here with you uh, for two hours a day now. Uh, I, Jerry, who really keeps the, the <laughs> all of this going, uh, thank you so much. And of course, uh, my family, my friends, if I forgot anybody, I just want to take a moment to, to say all of that. And these conversations that we have, my investment in being a progressive and being a Democrat, being a liberal, um, because this is the this this is this is the the, the arena that provides those kinds of supports that are there for that network of what we need to function as a society, what we need from block to block, from community to community, from town to town, and the people that are are showing up and doing that work. And yeah, do we make mistakes? Yeah. But at least we're invested and we keep showing up for that fight. And those are Democrats. Let me take a quick break here. Take your call. 773-763-9278. Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to check in with Justin Kaufman. This is so exciting. I'm a little nervous because he's a former co-worker of mine from a former radio station. He is moderating a uh, aldermanic uh, forum for the 45th Ward uh, coming up on February 2nd at 7 p.m. at the Copernicus Center. There are six candidates. So I want to talk to him about that. And uh, also we're going to talk to our good friend Kirk Bankstead, of course, our sponsor of the show from Monaco Brewing, go to uh, the Patty Vasquez show page and you can see all of the, um, Chicago Land locations where you can pick up a progressive brew. Thank you to our friends at Kids Above All, our friend, the CEO and executive director of Kids Above All, Senator Dan Katowski, uh, for their support here. You can go to kidsaboveall.org and support the work that they do, which includes kids like mine, by the way, uh, and all the kids who uh, really have su- have survived so much. So help them out. And you can always visit our friend Warren Priest at the price see how we get the strongest warm price at european u.s car service go to europeanus.com and or call at 773-248-1200 if you need someone to help you he's your car guy more after this on wcpt 820 heartland signal stephanie miller both sides don't do it i hate to say it i'm not saying there aren't you know some people that are awful on the left as well but in general i saw nothing but compassion and empathy for ted cruz as awful as we feel he is politically because this is a child it'd be something that is just human you know and not something that should be partisan but like i say you know the fact that they thought it was funny that an 80 something year old man was bludgeoned is just the difference between us stephanie miller weekday mornings 8 to 11 on wcpt 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. 
Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Okay. <laughs> I just, uh, I meant to just do a quick update, but then I started talking and stuff and wanted to put a bow on it. So thank you, everybody. Already getting some sweet messages. Thank you, my friend Eddie Cruz. I appreciate it. We'll have to tip one back soon. I'm sorry I couldn't come back. I come out for the event for our dear friend. Uh, let me take this phone call. Let's talk about this. I want to talk about, I definitely want to talk about George Santos and his committees. Dave and Hoffman Estates, did you see what committees he got? <laughs> yeah, let's see some more goodies with him. Like, like Lady B called him Liar Liar. <laughs> <laughs> the Jim Carrey movie. But, um, like if him and his mentor uh, Trump, they could use the old Seinfeld character George Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it, you know. And uh, with all these names that he's used, this uh, George and Anthony DeVolder, that I'm waiting for him to start using Art Vandaly as another one. But uh, I see where fellow New York Republican representatives like uh, Nick Lalota and six other House Republicans have called for Santos to resign and are calling for DOJ, DOJ rather, and Federal Elections Commission to freeze Santos's campaign accounts as they claim Santos fraudulently solicited these funds and shouldn't be allowed to drain his campaign account while multiple authorities investigate the very fraud that induced these contributions. <laughs> and, and the funds should be returned to the contributors that he duped. I know. I've, I think about this sometimes, you know, in my fantasy land of like, this isn't fair or that's not right. This isn't just, you know, is is every single voter who voted for George Santo. I mean, not that they can, you know, necessarily, although maybe they can for people who showed up. Did you vote for George or the other or the Dem and say, do you do you still is this still the vote you wanted to put in there? I mean, there, this should not this should not be this should not this shall not stand. But, yeah, I wish yeah. there's there is no there is no recourse for uh, a, a um, recall vote. I know that they're trying to do a special election, but they, they're doing everything they can legally. But as with all things Trump, this has never happened before at this level. I mean, this is insane. And then, well, McCarthy, he's not going to do nothing really with that because his his lead is so slim already with the Republicans versus Democrats in the House. You know, and, you know he's yeah. not going to say that uh, the, the area that, that Santos is at is... Fairly blue, so he he would probably lose. And of course, with all of this, you know, read my lips stuff, you know, nothing has come true, you know, that he's talking about. So he, I don't know, he's. It's just amazing that every time. Good thing he's not Pinocchio. He'd have a number, yeah. like a pole vault already, you know. <laughs> he is such a putz. He really is. By the way, oh. did you hear some of the stories about uh, Bobert and Green Trader Green getting into yelling matches in the bathroom in the ladies' room? And apparently, Bo- yeah, Bobert apparently said, "Don't be so ugly" or something like that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, don't be I, ugly on the inside, lady. Sorry, I seen something about that. You know, where the, where's the love gone? You know that. Yeah. 
that the so um hey on real so you get to others uh, that uh, on Saturday on on Smirconish's show on CNN I like watching him because he's kind of middle of the road there and uh, he had a guest on and talking about with the president and he said that President Biden should have took the route like Lanny Davis said on Clinton that time where he told it tell it early tell it all and from his lips. And not this drip, drip, drip that you know they've been doing. Yeah, you know, I know. It's and I mean it just gets people more suspicious and stuff like that. So it's you know I don't know. It's kind of like he got. I guess he got very angry and stuff with his with some of his people now. Well, I don't know some of his own doing now. So it's yeah. I don't know if they're repairing it anymore now. It's, you know how many days since so. Uh, I know. I don't know. I know. It's all. So you get, no get worries. To the others, Patty. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate all it. Right. Thank you. Have a good one. Let's get the gym in Chicago. What's on your mind, my friend? Uh, hi, Patty. Uh, you're talking about your son. All I can think of is the state of health care in the United States. Yep. It's abysmal. Yeah. It's abysmal. And Trump always said we were, we're going to roll back the Affordable Care Act, and I'm going to give you the best health care plan you ever saw in your life. Well, I've been on the earth for 72 years. I've never heard a Republican even make a beep about health care. No, it's too much that, money in it. No. Right. That's completely out of their realm of possibilities. But yet, the rest of the world has some form of health care. And your son or any of us, if we're up against it, the continuity of your worker yes. has a greater impact on your outcome. If they, in other words, if they're invested emotionally or whatever, it be, I mean, I had two family die. I'll give it real quickly. My mother was a triplet. Her doctor fell down the stairs in a house call and broke his neck. Mm. His son was my family doctor. And my mother could call him up and, and ask whatever the case may be. But there was continuity there. You know what I mean, Patty? Yeah. And, and that is... That's got a general. We've got to invest more and give these nurses more money, the doctors more money, go into the inner cities and the rural areas and entice these kids to go to medical school and say you'll pay for their tuition. Uh, if they do, almost like the Peace Corps, if you do a couple of years, two, three years, uh, uh, helping your neighbor, uh, and we have to rethink this because. Uh, this uh, being this uh, mean to people, it's just not going to stand. You know, it's, it's too much. But, I, I, I keep wondering where the bottom is, and they keep it's, they keep they they got a lot of shovels because they're digging lower. That's all I know. No, no I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, Patty. Uh, but I, but we got to get three years with these maniacs, and then get back to the democratic program. And, and that's all we could do. Anyway, yeah. Patty, thanks a million, too. Thank you. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Jim. Let me take one more call before the break. And we've got uh, Diane. Diane, what's on your mind? Hi. Hi, Patty. Hey. It's really nice to talk to you again. I'm going to try and be as fast and quick as possible. Uh, Stachybotrys mold poisoning, or it's also called Stachybotrys mold syndrome. All right, it's a black spotted mold. Drywall is a host to it. Okay. All right. Um, Ed McMahon, cite my sources. Ed McMahon, his wife, himself, and his dog all died from it. 
Oh my goodness! What happened? Yeah, what happened was uh, his wife left the bathtub running. Forgot about it. She left the house, came back hours later. House flooded with water. Mm. All right, and uh, they cleaned up the water damage. Didn't see anything of it. And then their dog got sick. And they had a real good veterinarian. The veterinarian did a special test and found out it was Jackie Bachter's mold poisoning. Wow. Um, his, his I remember this. Dad, I remember this story. I believe they had new construction. Uh, if I don't. If, yeah, yeah. And it came back. Right. So what I'm wondering, you know, I may be a little crazy here and far off field, but I'm wondering if this is what's happening to Declan, the basement. No, I mean, we've lived in the house since uh, 2000. All of us have lived in the house since 2001, and we have no drywall. Um, and there's five of us, and there hasn't been, you know what I'm saying? So, okay, I uh, don't know, but I appreciate it. So, I mean, it's good to know that well, uh, people should well, be aware. I, I, it's, it's, I'll be honest with you. Uh, it's been bothering me, you know, that maybe this could be what's causing De- Declan not to be able to walk. But if you don't have any drywall, I'd suggest... Uh, maybe just do a test of the house anyway. Fair enough. Just to make, yeah. just to make sure. You know, I'm concerned. I care. I know. You know I'm sorry, Diane. I know. I you know. You're crying a couple of times. So I apologize. I just wanted to put it out there. I appreciate that. Maybe- I will believe me. There's, there's, I, I, uh, there are things that pop into my head, and I'm like, we need to get that checked out. So, and we've we've tested for lead. Uh, we've tested for other things. So I will, uh, I will look into that. Okay. Okay, thank yep, you. I appreciate and it. You have a you have a really great day. I know you had other callers, so I'm gonna let you go. Right. And one thing about the gas, if yeah. I may, on a different subject. Remember, I was telling you about uh, the gas stove and how yeah, um, the, part, the part, particulates particulates from the smell right, in order to let right. you know that it's it's yeah. All right, and then the caller after me uh, made a comment that um, he's not off the grid um, um, about the electricity. It must be awful expensive. He went solar, so he's off the grid. This ah. is how he managed to do everything. Gotcha. He went off the grid, so he's not on, you know, when they have rolling blackouts, anything sure. like that. He's still, he's still got power because wanna, he's, he went completely solar with his home. I want to live off the grid. That, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Some days I'm like, let's go yeah, off the grid. <laughs> I've I, I, I got to run. Today. I've got a break here. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Diane. Okay. Have a, you have a great night. This is very and kind. Give Declan a hug for me, please. I will. I promise, Diane. Thank you so much. Take care. Let me take a break here. We're going to check in with our good friend, Justin Kaufman, who's moderating a, a, a Aldermatic Forum coming up on February 2nd at the Copernicus Center right here in the 45th Ward. <laughs> I want to see if he's ready for this. Tired of all those talking heads down the dial who think they're always right? People need to just calm down. It's gotten ridiculous. Welcome to WCPT 820, where facts matter. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. This is WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Gaz is taking your calls now. At 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Now on WCPT 820. I'm super excited. Uh, for years, I uh, would, would have to come in and chase him out of the studio. I'm kidding. Justin Kaufman joins us. He's a broadcaster and journalist, writes for Axios. And he'll be moderating the Aldermanic Forum here in Jefferson Park. Uh, for, well, it's a 45th Ward. Coming up on February 2nd at the Copernicus Center. It starts at 7. I'm sure that you can get there early and 
maybe check out all the campaigns. Justin, uh, do you know what you're getting yourself into for this forum? I'm just curious. Uh, back together again. Hi, yeah. Daddy. Uh, hey. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, uh, I moderated the, the 45th Ward debate last time in 2019 on one of those really cold nights. Everyone was like, uh, it was polar vortex time. I just remember that. Oh, my gosh. I was afraid that the car wasn't going to start. But we went and uh, moderated that debate, and I got this, you know, to watch uh, then uh, challenger Jim Gardner uh, take on then incumbent John Arena. Uh, so I'm, I'm familiar with the area, but it's been a long four years, as you know, as someone who's part of that uh, part of that war in that neighborhood. A lot of things have changed, including the boundaries. So there's going to be a lot more to discuss uh, at this forum on the second. Yeah, there's a, a an entire community that has been carved in, which is like the Edgebrook area. Um, the uh, it's overall like well, folks don't need to know exactly where it is, but there. Yeah, this is happening all over the city where ward maps. Uh, the weirdest one. Have you seen uh, Alderman Viegas's ward? It's just basically one, one, one wiggly worm down the middle. It's, so. it's fun to watch people try to draw it. It's uh, it's wild. So what what do you know so far? I mean, how many? Let's let's. Sure. I'll let you answer the question since I, I I wanted to talk to you because I I have my favorites and that's not appropriate. I mean, it's it's okay because it's a commentary show, so I can't tell you who I'm supporting. Right, but right. but I'd rather talk to you a little bit about okay, how many candidates are in the 45th ward race? Okay, so there are, I believe there are five at this point. There are five candidates that have uh, announced that they're part of the 45th Ward election, which is coming up at the end of February. It's, of course, the incumbent Jim Gardner, who's, who's I mean, I think it's a safe word to call him embattled. Uh, it's <laughs> controversial. I mean, he's had, he's had investigations over his four-year term. Uh, he, of course, we just saw in the last couple of weeks where he was accused of threatening uh, someone who was a... a, a you know, gathering signatures for for an opponent. Uh, all the person Gardner up in the 45th has had a, and he gets into the headlines in, in the news for a lot of things that aren't about the policy and the things that are happening in the 45th. So he's a controversial figure, and he's got a following there. But he also has got some some serious challengers, and this is going to be one of those areas, the 45th Ward, where you know, Patty. I mean, this is the, a, a, a crazy year. I mean, there's something like 17 all the people who are stepping down that are not going to run again. So you have 17 different wards. We're going to have a fresh new face. That is not the case in the 45th, but it is still competitive. You've got Megan Mathias. Uh, you've got Anna Santoyo, who's a, a, a longtime activist in the area. You've got James Sue. You've got uh, Marija Tomic. I'm not sure if I'm saying these names correctly, but this is, you know, these are all people who are challenging Jim Gardner, who, you know, who, who had gone and, and beat, uh, the incumbent, but the incumbent was unpopular in 2019. So it, it's really an open race, but Gardner has the advantage of being the incumbent. You have uh, also Susanna Ernst is also running. So yes, it, right. it might I'm be sorry. it might be six candidates altogether. Is that right? So it's yeah. it's Anna Marie Tomek, as you mentioned. It's Su S U H is Su. Yeah, um, Megan right. Mathias, uh, Susanna Ernst, and then uh, the incumbent James Gardner. Uh, so it, it is it's a little crazy over here. I mean, I've lived here my entire life, Kev, uh, Justin. And uh, it, it's insane. I've never, I've never seen it like this. And it, it was contentious. How contentious did it get? Do you remember in 2019 when, when Arena was the incumbent? Yeah, yeah it was pretty. Cont- I mean, I remember the, mo- the the debate started with uh, instead of you know opening salvos about what they're going to do, they were apologies. 
<laughs> or whatever they had done before. <laughs> and I remember that being like peculiar. I've, I've, I've moderated a few of these debates and I've never had, you know, uh, apologies at the outset. So there definitely was a lot of bad blood at that time. But you, as someone who has lived in that area, you know the issues that are important to the war, to yeah. the neighborhood. Uh, housing has always been an issue. Gentrification always uh, its head. But I think this time around, when you do have a differently drawn neighborhood, meaning you're, like you mentioned, Edgebrook and others, it, it's going to skew the, the, the neighborhood a little bit more conservative because those are conservative voters. And I'm not sure who that helps in an area in the 45th Ward on the northwest side. When you've done forums like this before, what what does the constituents look at the most? Because the aldermanic seat, and I believe that you have you had a regular guest who was the 51st Ward alderman. What you know? It's sort of this wide range of what people expect from their aldermen, and maybe that's why they've uh, their increase has gone. Their rate, their salaries is now what one hundred and forty three thousand. Yeah, which is wild. Uh, What do people? I mean, it's it is everything, right? They want their potholes filled, and they want civil rights protected, right? And everything in between. Would you say that that's kind of? Yeah, and economic mobility and development. You've seen a lot that's happened in Portage Park over the last four years. They're trying to get some of the jumpstart on some of the, the, the growing businesses there. Uh, there's there's a lot of different things, but at the end of the day, I think constituent services play a big role in, in wards like the 45th, where it's really about making sure that you have a, a voice and that you can get a hold of the office and get them to fix things, like you mentioned, potholes and other issues. And, you know... There, we've seen this. It's it's a really difficult job to be an older person in, in Chicago because you have to maintain that relationship with your neighborhood and your community, and at the same time play city politics. Go down, you know, go down to city hall and and be part of a, a caucus, a progressive caucus, or uh, vote on issues that that are more citywide and and. You have to keep that in balance, especially if you're trying to represent uh, the great neighborhoods in the northwest side of the 45th. Yeah, because we're, we're a little complicated over here, to say the least. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, look, part of this neighborhood voted for Trump uh, over 50 percent, like about 51 yeah. percent. Uh, and I think it, it was it was pretty high. And then you have uh, pockets that are, are wildly progressive and, you know, houses where uh, everyone knows each other. Almost, you know, one of those communities where people do move near each other, seeing a in this house we believe signs. You know what I mean? So we have a little bit of everything on this side of the neighborhood. And in really contentious organizations uh, online, you can see a lot. Like he just posted from his aldermanic page, he posted a picture of someone riding a bike with an alderman gardener sign, right? And it wasn't a, it was essentially it was, if you're going to steal a sign, it was an accusation rather than like, I don't know, maybe the guy stopped at an office and picked up a lawn sign, right? But yeah, right. instead, it was like mocking. It was like, if you're going to ride a bike, you know, the only thing worse than stealing a lawn sign is not wearing a helmet. And it, look, it, it's I get it. Right. Lawn signs. That's one of the things that there's. Oh, my gosh. Did you see how much he spent on lawn signs? It's like thirteen thousand dollars. Thirteen thousand. I mean, that's popular when you're talking about yards and things. that are. I mean, that that might be one area to, to have discretionary spending. When you're talking about. I don't know that. Hopefully he's looking at data how that plays out when he's spending that much money on. Yeah. On, you know, Signs, things like that. It's a it's a sign war. So when when John Arena was the incumbent, the there were a lot of gardener signs, but the other thing was there were a lot of uh, Areno signs. Was what they did. They would have Arena and they would x, x out uh, Na and put No. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that were happening. But I I agree with you that that I that's one of the things I've been trying to impress upon folks is if he's if if an older person is responsive to calls about downed tree branches or electrical stuff or potholes, they're gonna they're gonna continue to show up for that that alder person you know what i mean it's, it's uh-huh. tough to come up against an incumbent isn't it 
It is. And, and you know, this is uh, Jefferson Park is not alone, but and, and the 45th Ward and all the neighborhoods it represents. But, God, man, over the last uh, 10, 15 years, you've really seen the microcosm of, of what is a, a fight of the Democratic Party in the in the city of Chicago, which is this uh, a more cities uh, machine like uh, representing uh, uh, city workers, police officers, firefighters versus a progressive you know, a progressive movement and a more socially aware, more left. And John Arena represented that, right? He was on the Progressive Caucus, and you can say what you will about his politics, but that's where he sort of sat. He was one of the first on the Progressive Caucus, along with Scott Waggis back and hilariously Bob Fioretti, who was <laughs> not a progressive anymore. But but you look now, and that was that was a big thing in 2019. You had the progressives first, Jim Gardner, and Gardner represented more of the of the city worker, the the firefighter, the police officer, things like that. And that that dichotomy is still at play, and it'll be interesting to see how in the 45th Ward, but not just the 45th Ward, the, the other wards are around the north side, if that continues to play in those issues that are at the heart of any great Chicago neighborhood are divided between, uh, you know, different factions of, of one political party. Because, as you know, Patty, there's only one political party that plays in these municipal elections. Well, and that's right. And that's the uh, the thing about this. Like you said, the northwest side, we have, I, I call the triumvirate, the first responder triumvirate. We have uh, Napolitano in the 41st Ward. We have Spasato in the 38th. And then we have uh, Gardner in the 45th. And I would imagine there's a, a lot of money being pumped into that, whether it's the unions. I know that there's a new pack that sounds as though it wants to uh, slow the growth of the progressive caucus and is more business oriented. Have you heard more about that pack? Because I haven't seen where they're spending their money. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I had to take a look at where they're spending their money. But you're right. I mean, you, you, you know that you've covered this stuff. When we were at GN, you were covering this stuff. I mean, you know the dichotomy of your neighborhood and the breakdown between uh, two different factions that really don't like each other. And I can't, I'm, and you would know this. I'm, I'm, I, I'm racking my brain to remember who Arena used to fight with, who was the representative before Gardner. Oh, um, and well, he kept losing, like, the runoff by, like, votes. Well, Garrido, yeah, John Garrido was never the alderman, Garrido, but yeah. yeah, he lost by a really slim margin the first time and came pretty, yeah, that, that, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, and, and I, that's why I wanted you to be on, so it's not all my side yeah. of the story. <laughs> that was a crazy Chicago politics fight, and those two got at each other. Yeah. But again, they represented different sides of, of your neighborhood and the neighborhood surrounding. And I think that that continues that fight. I mean, uh, Jim Gardner was more successful than John Garrido ever was, and John Beat uh, John Arena, uh, you know, who himself I think is 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 a guy that uh, you know the progressives are hoping that he at least laid the foundation in, in Jefferson Park and they can get back to it. Do you? Uh, what are your? What's going to be your approach uh, with with six? Have you had six <laughs> candidates in a forum before? It's hard, right? I mean, yeah. the last time through there were four, maybe five. Uh, it, it becomes really difficult when you have that many candidates, frankly, because you have to give everybody equal time. So, And I'm not saying that one candidate is more than the other, but it, it's hard to shine through in those situations. But it probably limits the topics that you can talk about, because you're going to talk about things that are important to Chicago, and you're going to have to limit what those are, because you have to get six different uh, you know, answers from candidates. It's really hard to cherry pick. You don't want to be like, I'm only going to ask one question of this person and, and one question of that person. So you just have to hope and probably have a little pregame with the candidates to be like, you know, you don't. What I like to do is kind of have a quick talk to 
you don't gain by talking over or talking more than right. the other person. And so if you keep this tight, everyone's going to enjoy it. They'll get what they need to get out of it. But if it's one candidate who's just continually talking, it becomes trouble. So you got to, I got to get my, <laughs> my old experience from WGN of like jumping in when you know, they have to yeah. go to commercial break. Do you, uh, do you have any advice as far as, cause I'm concerned that everyone will spend the entire time, not the entire time, but a significant amount of time bashing the incumbent. I mean, is that something that you've seen before? And how does that play? Yeah. In- well, the Gardner, the Gardner people did that at the, well, remember John Arena was the incumbent and Arena would get up and he'd say something and they would yell liar and boo and things like to get very hostile. Uh, so it's not unheard of in the 45th Ward because that's just what uh, the Gardner folks did to uh, Arena. Now, I don't know if that's going to be, you know, the other way around and when we get to it on February 2nd, but you kind of got it. I mean, it's part of the fun of a Chicago election as opposed to a state election or a national election. You do get a little bit more, I don't know what you would call it, daddy grit. Uh, (laughs) I don't know, like circus uh, act uh, uh, mentality, if you will, of like who I can yell out at the candidates and things like that when they're speaking. That happens, and you kind of got to go with it. I remember when I was in Springfield, the thing I learned if you were trying to ask a politician a question in a crowd is be loudest and longest. That's, <laughs> but that's not for this. That's not for this, folks. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. We're talking to Justin Kaufman. He's a journalist and a broadcaster. You can read his work at Axios. It's Axios.com. Is that right? Axios? Yeah, Axios.com slash Chicago. Yeah. Slash Chicago. And we're going to talk about the mayoral race when we come back. The forum for the 45th Ward. And look, you don't have to be from the 45th Ward. Come watch the clown show. I'm sorry, everybody. Those are some of, my, some of them, my friends. Um, come watch the, the spectacle that is the 45th Ward politics at the Copernicus Center, February 2nd at 7 p.m. Let me take a quick break here. We'll come back with Justin Kaufman in a moment. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Well, it's just weird. It feels like old old uh, homeschool day. Not homeschool. Old, <laughs> it's uh, Tan Levy does all of our uh, our audio for the bumps. And uh, we've got Justin Kaufman, my former co-worker from WGN. He's a broadcaster and a journalist. You can go to axios.com slash Chicago. And uh, whew, we were talking about the aldermanic race, but it is heating up. The, uh, the barrage of advertising and the attacks are going out there, aren't they, Justin? So much. Uh, and it's interesting just looking at how much the campaigns are, are getting to the airwaves. Uh, and we're seeing it early. I mean, remember, this, this uh, early voting starts are, you know, soon. But the, but the idea being that, you know, February 28th is the day. We're a month and a half out, and they are flooding local TV and radio with ads. Uh, we've seen the most from Mayor Lightfoot, who has the most money to spend, and, and you've seen everything from her trying to be funny uh, with roommates in a strange ad on the oh, talking about the pandemic, and then you got, she's fighting back tears, talking about her mom, and then you got an, an, an old attack ad where she attacks, uh, I guess you'd call him frontrunner Chewy uh, uh, Garcia, but it also ties him to Mike Madigan, which is an old Republican move, you know, like you've seen the Illinois GOP do Mike Madigan attack ads against every candidate for the last 15 years. And now Mayor Lightfoot's doing it to a fellow Democrat in the race. That's an interesting twist. And then you go down the line, you're like, I think the best ad I've seen so far might be from Paul Vallis, who the longtime, you know, a politician, I guess you'd say, has run the CPS in 95 and, and has been uh, uh, perennially running for, for different offices in our area for, for years. 
Uh, he put up a pretty straightforward ad about uh, crime and violence. He didn't go the Dan Proft route. He didn't show people getting mugged. You know, he didn't oh. use the audio. He just essentially said, I'm, I'm going to focus on it. Here's what I'm going to do. One, two, three. And he got out. And, you know, it's actually pretty efficient and effective commercial, especially if you're really going to be the law and order candidate uh, for city of Chicago. So there's just two of, you know, all the candidates kind of get to the airwaves now. So it's going to be interesting. You just made every progressive listening cringe. I know. It's, it's very straightforward. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. And Brandon Johnson, who I think also does a good, you know, Brandon Johnson has a couple running, but like you will see, you know, Brandon Johnson gets a lot of his money from the Chicago Teachers Union, and he is talking, he's the only candidate right now talking about public schools. And I think that's interesting to note because you'll have these are really kind of like one issue led candidates, right? You're getting Paul Ballas, who's all about. Crime and violence. I'm going to make you safe. You're getting uh, Brandon Johnson. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go at uh, a lot of issues, but the number one issue he's talking about is public schools. And down the line, I think that's interesting as people try to carve out their name and what issue they're going to attach to for this election. Oh man, I, uh, I, I, I've read a lot. I've been reading a lot of pieces, you know, speculation about what it means that Chewy got in late, and you know, can he uh, go for the progressive voters when you've got Brandon Johnson right. in there? Uh, and Brandon Johnson is is a little bit, as far as the numbers go, he's got to elevate his name, obviously. But the money that's coming in from CTU is significant uh, from unions, and and so is Chewy. A lot of people are wondering if uh, Chewy getting in maybe made it easier for Lori to win again. I mean, then that's all the like yeah. s- sort of figuring all the 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 Venn diagram of everything that's got to happen in the same place, right? I mean, Patty, we've lived in the city for so long, it's hard to believe or even have a conversation if the incumbent can make a runoff, right? Right. I mean, that's that's not where we're at with Chicago politics and the mayors that we had before. I think, you know, Lightfoot is vulnerable, of course, uh, you know, a rough four years. But at the same time, the mayors that preceded her didn't have to deal with you know, a major health crisis, a public health crisis in the pandemic. And I know that that had to derail a lot of the things that the mayor wanted to accomplish in the first term. And I think that needs to be said because it's somewhat unfair to say she didn't do this, didn't do that, because two of those years we were trying to decide if we can survive as a, as a society. So, I, I mean, that's a tough place to put any politician, but she's, you know, she's got to run a different kind of campaign because Tui Garcia's in it, who's a well-known name, progressives like him. Uh, you know, you've got a, a really large uh, Latino population, voting population in Chicago to like him. Uh, he has ties to the history of the city, including Harold Washington. That's that's always a plus. He's a tough candidate when you're talking about, you know, trying to, to unseat an incumbent. So it'd be interesting to see if, if, if he keeps it up, because right now he can, he's not really running a campaign that's like, this is what I'm going to do. He's kind of taking a bad seat and letting the others kind of fight it out. Well, to your point about uh, about his support amongst the Latino community, uh, I don't use this word often, but I was gobsmacked. There it is. Uh, <laughs> I was gobsmacked that uh, Congresswoman Delia Ramirez threw in with uh, right. she she's supporting Brandon Johnson, Commissioner. I was I was like, wow, oh, OK, did not see that coming. And and yeah, Chewy was instrumental in her in her election. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I have to I have to look closer at why she did that. I mean, it, it, interesting, you know, uh, holding hands with Jonathan Jackson, the uh, uh, the, the new congressman in the first district, Jesse Jackson's son, replacing Bobby Rush, sort of a black and brown coalition for Brandon Johnson, and that's interesting because you know he's obviously become the progressive candidate to, that hold that mantle, and it'll be interesting to see if if. You know, Chewy takes on any of that, those progressives, or if progressives just kind of follow the money and follow the endorsements that are for uh, Brandon Johnson. Who's, who's, you know, as Cook County Commissioner on the West Side, has been pretty steady as a commissioner uh, with his progressive values and trying to create a 
uh, what do you call it, a, a living wage ordinance. Uh, he's, he's done a lot with public schools. I mean, he has walked the walk in, as a Cook County commissioner, but this is a whole different ballgame when you're talking about mayor. Man, I could talk about, you know, I could talk about this all night, but I, I appreciate your time today. <laughs> and I really would love to have you come in the studio, whether it's before yeah, or after the forum, uh, maybe after just to, just, yeah, just to see what it was like or before. Yeah, for sure. It's probably better. That would be fun. Absolutely. Probably better you didn't come today because as you hear me coughing, I'm like, oh, it probably would have been bad to cough all over Justin. That's not right. Oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, where, what else do you want us to promote? I know you got Axios.com slash Chicago for the work that uh, Justin's doing there, including yeah. the piece about the, the ads for the mayor's race. And then uh, then he'll be at the Copernicus Center on February 2nd, okay. 7 p.m. for the Aldermatic Forum uh, for the 45th Ward. Uh, yeah, I would say meditate that day. Um, just uh, maybe if you, if you're gonna have a you know think about what cocktail you might be having afterwards. I'm just uh, maybe I'll buy you a beer after. We'll see. <laughs> I'll call you before for tips. Uh, I, I got I got nothing for you. I, like I said, I got my favorites, so it's not. I, I think people know. I've been I've been and it's public too. So I've I've been working with uh, Susanna Ernst's campaign. Uh, she's a, she works really hard in the neighborhood. Uh, and I look, I know that uh, I, I have my feelings about. Uh, working with Alderman Gardner, I just was really, it was that last video of him uh, trying to intimidate and bully a grandmother with her grandkids in front of the house that just, I was just like, I can't, I can't sit on the sidelines for this one. That's why. It'd be interesting to see if there's a big turnout and voters uh, really are going to, you know, want more answers on some of the things that we've seen lately. Yeah. It's going to be a night, Patty. It's going to be a night. I've got my ring camera up, everybody. If anyone wants to steal my lawn, my lawn sign, I got another one. I'm just saying. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much, Justin. I'll, if I don't see you before February 2nd, I'll see you at the Copernicus Center. You got it. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Take care. Let's. Uh, let's I'm so excited for that event. Let's take a break here, and when we come back, we'll uh, continue our conversation. And don't forget, Kirk Bankstead's going to join us at 6.30, folks. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Ah, Hey, everybody. I am catching up with some of the conversation on our WCPT Facebook page for our live stream. Also trying to use my computer to... uh Cover my. I have a little bit. Of, I have a. I have a muffin top going on in these jeans, Lady B. It's been a. It's been a long pandemic. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like. I don't like this camera angle. What is going on here? What's. What's happening here? Uh, <laughs> I. Uh, you know what? I do have a pair of tickets to give away today again for our Chicago mayoral candidate form on Thursday, January 26th. It's going to be at the Morningstar Auditorium. And uh, let's see. How about this? Uh, 
What committees, you just have to name one at least, what committees was George Santos uh, appointed to or what was he assigned to today? Name one of the committees that you can Google it. I'm not going to double check. You Google that. I'm just saying. 773-763-9278. Give us a call for your chance to win a pair of tickets for the WCPT Chicago Mayoral Candidate Forum. We had our uh, meeting this morning to talk about some of the questions. Uh, We'd love to hear from you uh, as far as what you would like to ask the candidates. I know I've written down a few things. I know one of the questions, I think it was Mirna said, uh, you mentioned all these things. How are you going to pay for it? And I saw one uh, candidate talk about how they were going to pay for something. So I think that that's a, a, not only a valid question, but an important one. So uh, 773-763 for your chance to win a pair of tickets for the WCPT mayoral forum. We're going to be live broadcasting that, uh, and we're excited to um, have everyone join us. We'll have all the candidates uh, participating, which is wonderful news. And uh, we're going to have a, a good time. It's going to be Joan Esposito, Santita Jackson, and myself. J- uh, Joan will be moderating, and then J- uh, Santita and I will be splitting uh, half-hour segments, I, I think peppered with questions. I don't know if peppered is a good way. It sounds spicy. But uh, we'll be sharing some of the questions that we um, get, we collect from you guys, as well as the ones that uh, we are crafting right now. Uh, so what's important to you as, as well? We want to know those those elements as well. But for your chance to win, give us a call and just tell Lady B, one of the uh, Lady B's like, which which uh, committees? Um, it's okay. They'll, I'll let you know if they're right or not. They have to answer on the air now. So 773-763-9278. What committees was George Santos assigned to? You only need to know one. But if you Google it, you'll find out. He's on two. They gave him two two committees where he has responsibilities and Kevin McCarthy said it was because well traditionally you know unless uh, unless one of the congressmen has something else uh, uh, is taking their time they all get committee assignments you don't have to you don't have to that's why we got that's why we took green and somebody else off the committees because they were dangerous they posed a danger to other electeds just saying you, don't, you didn't have to do that even the people living in this community don't want him to be their elected because he lied. I, that, you know, I think it was uh, who called earlier. Was it Dave or Jim that asked, you know, is there anything we could do about uh, reversing that election? I mean, if everything you ran on every single I get that politicians lie. Right. Or uh, conflate things. Or whatever, but this is entire. This is an entirely invented person that he created out of thin air and told everybody that he was. And he ran it like you can't. We shouldn't be electing thin air. That's that's all I'm saying. There's no substance. There's no guy there. There's no record. There's no. Eh. It's, it's insane. The more videos I see of this, I just want to call him a turd. Is that bad? I want to. I said I want to. All right, Dave in Northbrook. Hey, Dave in Northbrook. What uh, what committees was George Santos assigned to? Uh, for some reason, he's going to be responsible for overseeing small business. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> technology, which you know they should use a little technology on him. And uh, we should have qualified him before. I mean, my son could have been congressman from New York for crying out loud. Exactly. You know, he said that he was instrumental in developing the new ways in which we refine oil. Like, I saw a video of him saying that. Like, that was, he takes credit for that. He's insane. So that's why they put him on science and technology, apparently. Well, I mean, somebody did claim they invented the Internet all by themselves. I do remember that. (laughs) You know, he. I mean, it takes a team. And all I can say is, is all you need. That's why we have primaries. Okay, you yeah. run primaries yeah. so that you can have candidates that uh, have to debate each other and can expose each other's faults and strengths. Exactly. 
Exactly. So are you excited to come to this uh, mayoral forum on the 26th and see what our candidates have to say? You bet I am. I actually, I, I technically, I kind of, I like Willie Wilson because all the other people are kind of machine people. Uh-huh. But, um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm liking how Willie Wilson can bring together the south and west sides of Chicago who need Chicago's help the most, of course. Can I ask, what, what, do you, what is your definition now of machine politicians? I'm just curious because I think, I feel like we, I say, believe me, I say it, I say I ran against the machine. But I'm just, is it to you, is it entrenched politi- politics and people who just, okay. go, like, I, they I, just, I, cons- I'll, yeah, I'll watch this. I've go. got a great policy for the environment. And then someone calls me up and says to shut up. That's machine politics. Yeah, otherwise, or else. Happens, you have, to, you have right, to do the or else part. on both sides, right? I, I've got this great proposal. Well, write it up so that it gets killed in, as a bill and, and it never gets signed. Oh, okay. And if you say yes, you're a machine politician. If you say no, good luck getting reelected, right? So, Jamal Green is, uh, I would say, an outsider. He has not been a part of the machine Uh Willie Wilson. I mean, so what do you think about the fact that he like buys, you know, people gas and things like that? That's not that's not weird to you that he like he shows up at churches well, and pays there's, people. There's, yeah. Well, I, I would say that there would be six million poor people need help, and nobody seems to be helping poor people as much as Willie Wilson. And he's he's not buying a vote. He could spend the money on a on a commercial, and that just goes to the ad agency. Instead. He gives charity, and that's a free news story. And to be honest with you, every politician should start doing that. Wow. Every politician should start giving charity to poor people and let the news cover it. And that's a free commercial that actually helps poor people. That makes more sense. And, you know, remember, Willie Wilson ran for president. He came in third place in California. Yikes. I had no idea. I did not remember. I knew he ran for president, but I didn't realize that he had uh, had a, sh- a strong showing in California. Fascinating. Well, yeah. In fact, I remember when Hillary Clinton wouldn't take the stage in, in uh, I think it was Atlanta, because, uh, you know, Willie Wilson was surging back then. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, it should have been. We all know. Listen, we all know it should have been Bernie Sanders, right? Oh, yeah. We all know that Hillary kind of snakes Bernie Sanders out of the nomination. And imagine if it was Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. You know, that would have been, you know, an interesting race. But so, but it is what it is. I am and fascinated. now we're at war. We got things going on. Oh, it's so, such a problem. I am fascinated by your take. I would not have thought that you would say that Bernie Sanders should have, because it, this is all, it's it's just wild to me. So I, I was sitting behind some folks at the mayoral forum at the Copernicus Center in December, and it was so fun. I mean, like, Willie would give kind of these these answers, and there were people reacting just like you. They're like, yeah. He's right about that. He's got a good point. And it was it was fascinating. Uh, and I know he's got a lot of support in my community on the northwest side. So uh, I look forward to meeting you at the uh, the forum. Come by and say hi. I'll be there. Absolutely. Do I just show up and the tickets will be there? Uh, Lady B will give you the information. Stand by and uh, make sure you get all those questions to her. And uh, I'll see you on uh, the 26th. Wonderful. I can't wait to be a part of Chicago history. <laughs> Outstanding. Thank you so much. Have a great evening, Dave. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. I uh, let's see. I know that uh, Jeff says they have the right answer. Jeff, I, I uh, unfortunately I gave the tickets away, but I'm going to give more away Wednesday through Friday. Uh, but what are your thoughts on uh, George Santos and the committees that he was appointed to? He's probably on the liars committee and the indecent committee. <laughs> on the what committee? I can't. You, you've dropped out there a little. The liars committee 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, you would think they would have a lot of people on those, but they uh, they only had they gave him small business and science and technology committees. Well, gee, that's that's right up his alley. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, he, he's got no clue, Patty. I know. He's got he's got no clue except how to deceive people. Yeah, he and, can. And, yeah, and McCarthy is keeping him on because he needs his votes. That's all. That's why he's keeping him on. I'm I'm impressed with how many Republicans think he needs to go as well, and yet you know, I, and I think McCarthy had cover there to not put him on a committee, and did so anyway. So that basically he made it sound as though he was obligated to do so. Uh, I know that there are you know committees in New York that are scrambling to find legal ways to remove him from office. Uh, he certainly has said that he's not going anywhere and uh, until he's voted out. Yeah. Yep. Well, you know that's an interesting thing because. There's so many investigations into him right now about everything that he has claimed, which is all false. And uh, they're going after him on, uh, on finances, campaign finance, which I think is one of the things that's going to be his big downfall. Yeah. If he if he violated uh, campaign finance laws, possibly, uh, because there's $700,000 that he cannot clearly account for yeah yeah well i would like to account for seven hundred thousand dollars yeah can you imagine i would that would help me out of my job problems exactly and but you know people are not talking not only that and this is something that that people told me about early in my campaign was that you can pay yourself and he was paying himself from that campaign money like basically as an employee it's legal Uh uh-huh but that's, that's illegal. It's not. Campaign you can finance. You can pay yourself. Campaign finance. No, go on. You go no, no. From what I understand, you can pay yourself from your campaign as a campaign employee or whatever it is, and you and you can pay. Yeah, I mean, obviously you pay your employees, but yeah, you can pay yourself. That was that was something because I I had lost my job and people were like, well, you know, if you raise enough money, you can just pay. I'm like, oh, I'm not taking money from the campaign. I want to win this race. That's crazy. I mean. That's absolutely nuts. I mean, so people that donated to his campaign, yeah, he used that money uh-huh. himself. Yep, that's that's bo- that's bogus. That's so bogus. Yeah, I know you were going to say something that's else because I I feel you on that. That's so bogus. I can't believe it. I mean, I yep. I don't know what's wrong with our country. I just don't get it. Well, I just don't get it. He can also use all that money for his own legal fees. Just like any politician, can, they can use that money that people donate to them. They can break the law and then use that money, contribute to their campaigns to defend themselves. Well, it's not right. I know. You know, we, we on Progressive Radio, you guys that do this all the time, every day of your lives, uh, have to get the word out to people. We've got to change. This is ridiculous. It is. I know. Absolutely. It's absolutely ridiculous. We all got to keep showing up. I appreciate that, Jeff. Thanks so much for calling in. You bet. Take care, man. You too. Have a great night. Let's take a break here. I'll get your calls when we come back on uh, WCPT 820. We're driving it home till 7. I got Mark and Steve on hold. I'll get to you right when I get back. I promise. 773-763-9278 is a number to call and join the conversation. You can also text us. You're listening to WCPT 820 because facts matter. Vasquez is taking your calls now 
at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. I knew that uh, our friend Dave, who said uh, what he liked about Willie Wilson, might generate some phone calls. And here's Mark. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind? Hi. Um, I don't think Willie Wilson is good for Chicago. I think he's a Republican. A Republican in disguise. That's and as far as that he supported. Well, he said he supported President Trump uh, and had very strong ideas about Illinois being a sanctuary state and Chicago being a sanctuary city um, that were not would you consider democratic or, or progressive. So continue. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> no, he's not progressive at all. Um, as far as him, you know, buying gas for people, I think that's buying votes. He's been buying buying votes all along. Just because you're a multimillionaire doesn't mean you're able to run a country. Oops, I mean a city. <laughs> did I say country? <laughs> I think you did. Um, and as far as questions for the forum, um, my big thing is uh, people being priced out of out of Chicago. You know, the average person can't afford the taxes. So they're losing their house to taxes. So that's that's my thing, you know, the gentrification of Chicago. You know, it should be for average people, too. Yeah, I think that, uh, that you're right. It, the property taxes have become extremely uh, burdensome for a lot of folks. I, I saw a story about a woman who'd been in her house for decades and it's the, it, you know, it's the, the property taxes that are going to force her to move out. Uh, you know, she, right. it, it's insane. Yeah. Right. It's a shame. That's uh, all I got. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. I'm, I, I hear you. <laughs> appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, and uh, the one thing I sure. do have to say is I'm in a suburb, so I really have no say about Chicago politicians. Well, I, said, you can say something. You, you can say something because I mean, I think that obviously what happens in Chicago not only affects the suburban area, but the state as a whole. We have a, a this you know, is true. Yeah, we have very close relationships. True. We rely on each other. Okay. Thanks so much, Mark. Thank you. Take care. Sure. Bye. Bye. Hey, Steve. What's on your mind? Hey, Patty. Uh, I'm just following up with some more information about uh, our opinion about Willie Wilson. Uh huh. Um, for, well, first of all, anybody that refers to themselves as doctor based on honorary degrees, I'm like, no, you're not a doctor. It's a little sus. You just look like an idiot when you use that. Um, but the, that thing, the thing he's most famous for is the gas giveaway. And that always bugged me because it, it's not doing anything to investigate who needs the help. How do I get the help to them? Right. It's, who, can, who can show up at a gas station at six in the morning? And especially he did it up here in Rogers Park and everybody in the neighborhood was like, he's blocking Sheridan Road. Now I can't get to work. I can't even get out of my street because he's got people lined up on Sheridan Road to get free gas. Yeah. No, it was it was it it posed a public safety issue. I, I agree with that, too. Yeah. It's just it's that kind of thing of instead of doing the easy thing that doesn't actually make a difference. Do some work, do some research, figure out. How can I actually get some money into the hands of people who do really need it, not just, you know, who have an hour to go stand on Sheridan Road in the morning to grab a, a gas card? Right. 
Right. It's without determining who needs it is is a look. And I know that the bureaucracy involved in any sort of uh, helping folks out, whether it's health care or, yeah. you know, SNAP or, uh, you know, funding, it, they have to go through a lot of hoops. But part of it is so that people aren't taking advantage of the system. I mean, it, it is it, it's it's a lot. Uh, it's a bumpy road for a lot of folks. And I wish it were smoother. But part of it is because people take advantage, too. Oh, exactly. And Lord knows if we if, you know, if we started doing that, the Republicans would be all over us. Right. Oh, yeah. You're giving, what, you're just giving it away. You're not checking. You're not, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Although I had a friend who told me his dream was to just give Americans, I think it was like to every American $10,000. And uh, and I was just like, and then what? I mean, it sounds yeah. good, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's the same idea, I guess, as uh, similarly to the debt forgiveness for student loans, too, is like what, what's holding you back is to, for a lot of people. Ten thousand dollars makes a big difference. Yeah, I just. Yeah. But then I wonder. And then what? You know what I mean? Yeah. And does everybody need ten thousand dollars? Right. Or, or could you give it to somebody who really needs twenty thousand dollars? Right. That would change their life. And the millionaire who doesn't need the ten thousand dollars doesn't need that ten thousand dollars. <laughs> but then, but then we don't have to worry about them complaining or suing because that's what's happening with the right with the that's student true. loans, right? They're saying it's not that's fair true. to those that did. So, yeah, that's true, true. helping people is I hard, man. Too, and, I, and, I, yeah, and, I've, and I've never seen any real analysis of this. I don't know if it's if it would actually happen or not. But when you do when you do something like that, you give everybody ten thousand dollars. Does that wind up bumping up prices so that it just becomes a wash? Uh, Everybody's like, oh, I know everybody's got $10,000, so I'm raising my price on this and that and the other, and I'm raising rent, and I'm raising... Are you saying that people price gouge, Steve? When people... I know. What? I, I hope you're sitting down. I hope what? you're sitting down, Patty. It's I, a big shock for you. What? You mean that <laughs> people would see an opportunity... They'd see an open door and run through it with all their big buckets w- waiting to just grab all the money. I don't know what you're talking about. They're like <laughs> Mr. Moneybags Monopoly, and they've got a bag in each hand, and the bag has a big dollar sign on it. You know, sometimes I wonder what it must be like to feel that greedy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I know that there are successful people that have good hearts yeah. and maybe did it all the right way. I just don't know any of them. <laughs> I remember years ago they did a, um, a a study on CEOs, and it was a small percentage, but it was a significant percentage where they were like a higher percentage than the average population of CEOs has. I can't remember it was, if it was um, psychotic or, but basically they they do have something that not only drives them that they've got to succeed and they've got to succeed to a, a huge degree. But they're also able to go, yeah, and I just don't care how it hurts people. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing this. It was, I don't know, 60 Minutes, but it was some rich guy driving around and, like, just his disdain for poor people. Like, they were yeah. they like they were disgusting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, they're, well, they're, if they would just pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, stop putting lead in our boots, people. That's all we ask. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I remember when um, I'm old enough to remember when Reagan talked about, you know, um, a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. And I was always say, yeah, that's great if you're in a boat that's free. But if you're anchored to the bottom of of the ocean and the water goes up. You're dragged down and you know, everybody at your boat drowns. And that's exactly what happened. I think I've talked about this before. Since the 1970s, the income of the wealthiest, specifically in Illinois, has gone up 110%. And for the middle class, it's gone up 9%. 
And yeah. we still are like it, it's it's the black people. It's the women who want to have abortions. It's, you know, all these uh, the welfare queens. It's all these other categories. It's somebody else's fault. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and look, it's it, it, unfortunately, I mean, yeah, I'm an appointment at big corporations and rich people taking advantage of the system and not paying their fair share. That's all. And how I don't know how they live without the fear of. And someday everybody's going to snap and come after you with pitchforks <laughs> well, and drag you out of your office. <laughs> why would they worry when they see them going after the Capitol instead? Why That's would, true. You That's know, true. Right? Yeah. Because the Republicans yeah. have been masterful at it's it's not your fault. It's the Democrats. Fault. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've said for years rigged. the Republicans are really, really skilled at getting people to, to vote against their own self-interest. Exactly. That whole I've got nine and a half cookies. But that immigrant or that gay guy or that woman is trying to take away your half a cookie. You better fight them for it. Yep. They're coming for it. They're coming for your cookie. Now I want cookies. (laughs) Thanks so much. Cookie and a whiskey. That's right. Friday night. (laughs) Be good for Friday. I need I'll need a hot toddy. Thanks so much, Steve. Let me take thanks. Man, Dave lit up our phone lines. It's like it's like after Scott Santos is on sometimes. Mirna, what's your what are your thoughts on Willie Wilson? Hi. Uh, prior to 2020, he was a Democrat. Um, I had mentioned some time ago to both you and Joan that I would, if possible, if you guys were in the studio, to ask him why he was a Democrat. Why did he vote for Trump? And I just checked right now, and he is now neither Democrat nor Republican. He is a member of the Willie Wilson Party. So is that oh. going to put him different on the ballot? Would no. that put him... I don't think that they, I mean, they might have a, a like, a, it's usually just in parentheses for the, for the primary, and this is the same for the aldermanic races, like there isn't a, I think you run as a, you know, your values as, as your party, but I don't think mm-hmm. it says, like, there's not a primary for a Democratic or Republican candidate. It's just, you mm-hmm. are what you are on the ballot, like the same thing for aldermanic. I don't think that it's uh, denoted on the ballot. Okay. It's non, and, uh, non-party. I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, one other thing, people keep saying that, you know, he's buying votes. He was giving money, we're talking $100 bills, away in several communities, low-income communities, three to four years before he even tried running for any part any uh, political um, office. So this isn't new. And uh, it was covered by all the local media. Uh, in fact, I think it may have made it to a couple of... Uh, California publications, if I'm not mistaken. But like I said, he's been giving away money for years prior to ever even thinking of running for a political office. Interesting. So, I did. I was. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember. I. I only remember him from the last mayoral. I don't remember him running in sixteen for president. I only remember him running for the mayoral. I was. I was the moderator at the Copernicus Center for the, the that forum uh, in December of two thousand eighteen. And okay, one last story before we go. He got up in the middle of the forum and said he had to go to a, do a radio show and he would like to do a closing statement. And I, I, I believe in my head, so I don't know how it sounded on the outside of my face, but I said, absolutely not. No one else's. You certainly will not. So <laughs> he just wanted to give a speech. He wanted to give a speech in the middle of the forum. And I was like, no, if you have someplace else to go, see ya. But I believe me, just so everyone knows, I was kind of like that with everybody, just so we're clear. I was a little bit like, yeah, got it. You're all special. (laughs) And then everyone got mad. They're like, who hired the comedian? I'm like, yeah, I am a comic. That's tough. (laughs) I'll see you later, Mirna. 
Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Let's uh, take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to Kirk Bankstead, find out all things Monaco Brewing related. And uh, man, I love seeing him tussle with people on social media. It is just fun. You've been working hard all day and didn't have time to catch up on the news during work. And that phone just wouldn't stop. We've got you covered. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. We will fight as many places and as many times as it takes to get this power back. Joan Esposito, afternoons from 2 to 5 p.m., WCPT 820. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Man, I miss our guest. Uh, we had to go hang out again. The last time I saw Kirk Bangstead from Monaco Brewing was at uh, our event at Taste. Man, you put on a good show when you're explaining your brews and doing a tasting. It was amazing. <laughs> That was a great time. I'm so glad we got to hang out. We had a couple beers after the after the tasting. Obviously, <laughs> it's uh, it's always it's always an inebriated hang with the with the owner of a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I can't. And the other thing, I have to tell you, how many of our guests? So Jerry's been. Whenever we have a guest in the studio, we send them home with some of a couple of your brews, and people are really. I, I love the range of tastes, you know, because like I like the Kamala and the uh, I like the Biden brew, uh, and I actually I'm not a big IPA fan, but I like the AOC. My friend Adam Selzer, who does a lot of tours and uh, is an author, he likes the uh, extinct elephant. Uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of fun. I, I, I almost feel like I need to guess what people are going to like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, we, we have a blast with got all these labels we have a blast with. It's kind of it's just like imagine going to work and coming up with cool <laughs> kind of po- po- poke, poke the bear kind of labels for beer and, and selling it. It's just fun. it's a fun fun thing we're doing i i I, i'm I'm having i'm having fun and fun with you in chicago a lot oh my well i i i I enjoy it so much and i do love the battles you get into on social media uh it's just so much i mean (laughs) i get it i'm sure that there are liberals that go after you know blatantly conservative and and companies that are just you know like the my pillow guy or whatever uh but man you just take them on i love it well, we we got we're up to about seventy thousand Facebook followers now, and it, you know it, it's all it's it's because we've not shied away from uh, standing up for what we believe in. And so many businesses, you know, are as soon as somebody you know starts criticizing them, they'll fold, you know, and they'll fold no matter what because it like you know they think the customer is always right. Well, the customer is a is a crazy, you know, MAGA Republican who, you know, is anti everything, anti vax, anti science, whatever. You know, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna fold, you know, and they can say they're gonna boycott us and it never happens. <laughs> it's always keyboard warriors uh, trying to take pot shots and that's actually standing up for ourselves uh, on social media has has grown our company. So we're that's kinda who we are now. We're we're not gonna take not gonna take uh, and it's funny because there's a lot of these trolls or uh, not the most intelligent folks. So it's not too hard to, I always say like they, they, they come to our page and take a poo and we're like a poo boomerang. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. We'll give it back to them. You you flip that. uh, I'm I'm rubber. You're glue. If if they throw poo at you, then they're that, that glue is going to get really messy really fast. 
Super, exactly. super fast. Exactly. And one of our, you know, one of the things that we've been having a conversation with uh, Dan Schaefer from uh, Milwaukee's Recombobulation Area. He does a great uh, yeah. publication. The we are watching the same race, you and I. It's going to be the Supreme Court race in Wisconsin is massively important for the state. Tell folks why that is so crucial to win that race. Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, New York Times just came out and said this is the most important race to watch right now. Um, the Supreme Court race is, is on April 4th, but there's a primary on February 21st. And uh, and I want to talk about that in a second. But the reason this race is so important is that the current Supreme Court is currently uh, has a balance of four conservatives and three progressives. And obviously, Supreme Court judges are not supposed to be partisan, but they're backed by either party, uh, kind of based on what they've done in the past. So this Supreme Court has absolutely uh, killed our our uh, fair maps, or killed the, the district lines that we had come up with uh, in the new census that tried to make things more fair in Wisconsin. The, we have a Democrat. We elect Democrats statewide. We have a Democratic governor, but we almost have a super majority of Republicans who can who can override a governor's veto in the state legislature because they've gerrymandered our maps so bad. We are arguably the worst gerrymandered maps in the entire United States. Our gerrymandered state. So if we can elect a progressive Supreme Court judge on uh, on February 21st and April 4th, and February 21st is important, uh, then we can flip that and we can re-litigate the entire uh, process that gave us these such horrible maps. So that's why uh, this race is so important. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Michigan was able to extract themselves somewhat from their extremely gerrymandered state. And so this would be an incredible step in the right direction for Wisconsin. How can people help with this race? Because people aren't used to, A lot of folks don't even know that they vote for Supreme Courts. Like yeah. We had a big race in our state, and we are so grateful that both uh, Judges uh, Rochford and uh, O'Brien won. Uh, what should people know? Because we have listeners in Wisconsin. What should they be aware of? And how do they get more information? How they can? How can they support? I think... Drinking a progressive brew is probably going to help as well. <laughs> well, so the thing that the thing that really bothers me um, about this process is that there's a primary on the on February 21st. There's four candidates running, and in theory, these candidates are not supposed to be partisan. But two of the candidates are completely in the pocket of the Republican Party and the MAGA Republican Party to boot, and the other two are progressives. The first two have better name recognition because they've they're, they've been one's been a national spotlight uh, for for a big uh, murder case, and the other one was actually a justice who was voted out. And so, if you took the vote today, the top two conservatives justices would win based purely on name recognition. Ugh. So, what's 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 upsetting to me is that the entire progressive apparatus that got Governor Evers elected, Democratic Governor Evers elected, elected is sitting out this primary because they are too scared to offend either candidate. And that's scary to me. What? We have to get progressives out to vote. The Democratic Party does not have, I just heard today, uh, I I run a super PAC, so I I don't have direct communication with a lot of these folks, so I have to kind of hear by the wayside. But I just heard today that the entire Democratic Party of Wisconsin is not going to run a get-out-the-vote campaign for this primary. Oh, my God. No. That's I know it's scary. And so that's why, you know, the Monaco Brewing Company 
we uh, have uh, we were put it, we were raising money to put up uh, billboards all throughout the state of Wisconsin. We picked a candidate. We picked uh, Janet, the the woman from uh, Milwaukee, Janet Protasiewicz. Uh, she's got a better chance of winning, we think. And uh, so we picked her, and we're 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 running a get out the vote program. We're running a billboard program, and we're and we're dr- telling folks to go sign up to volunteer with her campaign to get out the vote, knock doors, write postcards, do the phone banks, uh, you know, the week before February 21st. And I think we're the only organization, the only, I'm, I'm a brewery, I'm not even a progressive organization, but we are, my super PAC is the only one that, that I know of that's actually working before the primary to get progressives out to vote for this, which is crazy to me. Yeah, that's that's uh, oh, that's really disappointing. I mean, it's basically just get, throwing up your hands and going, "Well, we're not going to do it. We just can't." No, it, it's killing ourselves in out of kindness, which is what what Wisconsinites are just so <laughs> bad at. We're just so bad. We're so nice that we just lose. You bring up a good point. Yeah, you do. You do bring up. This is I mean, the Democrats in general, right, are kind of like, well, you know, we want to take the higher ground and we don't want to rock. We're we're here to help people. You know, we want we want to support everybody. No, stop being a Midwesterner and a Democrat. Yeah, right. That's kind of a lethal combination. Still. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, golly. All right. So people can volunteer, right, and uh, get out the vote. When is the vote? This is in April, right, for the primary? Or is it February? February. The pri- no, the primary is February 21st, so it's it's less than six weeks away. Oh, my God. So we're going to so come up. We're actually going to have a huge party. It's actually my birthday on February 2nd, uh, Groundhog Day. <laughs> and uh, I figured if I'm going to have a – I want to have a knockdown drag-out birthday party, but I also want to get people to volunteer to – to, to, to get progressives to vote for this. Because I think like 15% of the population vote in a random primary in February. Like it's just, Ugh. it's going to be forgotten about, you know? So so we're we're having a big party in Madison where all the progressives live. And uh, in order to come to my party, you got to show that you've volunteered for a, for a get out the vote shift. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> so so you, get, you get free, I'm giving free beer. We got a live band and we're going to pack the place with, with people who are going to volunteer, who, you know, said they're going to volunteer uh, for, for either campaign. Actually, there's two progressives running. I don't care. You know, we, 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 we're, we're back in one of them, but both of them are good candidates. I just want to see progressives get out and vote and then get out and volunteer and get, and get activated for this, uh, for this big election. Okay, so that's going to be on February second. Is your your birthday oh, party? Yeah. Happy birthday early, by the way. I wish. Thank you. I wish. I wish you could come up, but I know that uh, I, if I had a birthday party in Chicago, I think you guys probably be the right ones. But maybe uh, maybe you might have to miss my party in Matt. I, I do. There's a there's an aldermanic forum that that night in my neighborhood that I was just talking about a little while ago that I don't think I should miss. Although I'm tempted, I'm definitely tempted <laughs> to come to Madison. If you have anything else coming, I can I can remote broadcast when uh, if the equipment's We're available. Do- so, so we're we're the Tony Castaneda Latin Jazz Band is going to be playing for this one, but then uh, we're going to do a one that's like ten times bigger uh, once the primary is over, like two weeks before the election. Okay, I'm and in. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rent out a huge place, and you know everyone's got to volunteer again because the real. I mean, we hope that a progressive gets through this primary. It's it's a good chance that one of them will. And uh, and then everyone's going to be unified, and we're just going to we're going to raise the roof, and get get everybody really excited about this election right before, like the, the week before April fourth. 
Oh, I love it. I want to. I want to go. I want to go to that one. That one. I'll, I'll remote whatever day it is. I'll figure out a way to get there. I've, and is, is that we also bring the beer to these parties? That's what we do, right? Is that going to be in Madison as well? Uh, I think so because Madison is such a concentrate. Madison or Milwaukee. I mean, those are the two places where you just pack such a punch because most people that live in those areas are Democrats. And if you get, if you just make some noise, uh, you know, you can win statewide, especially in a race that's so obscure, like a Supreme Court race in, you know, in a non-presidential year in, in, in the spring. So you raise the roof in Madison or Milwaukee and you can do it. You can you can you can get the whole state almost, you know. Oh, my God. That sounds like a very, uh, I want I want to go to there, wherever there is going to be. Uh, we're hanging out with Kirk <laughs> Bangstead, the mastermind behind Monaco Brewing, uh, the Monaco Brewing Company. You can go to progressivebrewing.com. Oh, no, that's not. Is that yours, too? Are they both yours? Progressive? No, no. no just monacobrewingcompany.com. Oh, I, I think we might have bought progressivebrewing.com, but we don't use it. I don't think we just wanted somebody else to yeah, hold right? ransom. Exactly. Yeah, I don't blame <laughs> you. Know? I don't blame you. Monacobrewingcompany.com. And by the way, I, I mentioned all the brews that I like, but also, man, that choice, the grapefruit choice. I'm going to go home and have one of those. And I'm not saying that you should mix your uh, alcohols, but if you you know want to just drop in a, a shot of vodka, that also works in a choice. Seltzer, not that I... <laughs> oh, good call. Good call. We, we actually came up with a few recipes for what you could put your hard seltzer with uh i think like last year for christmas so yeah it's uh yes you can add booze to hard seltzer and it doesn't it doesn't hurt the job at all it, it does, gets the job done a little easier. It does. It's, a, it's a little bit uh it takes the edge off a little bit faster is all i'm saying you're feeling mellow, feeling mellow. i wonder how gin would taste i'm sorry i'm getting ahead of myself uh do you have any new new brews or new pro, new uh, exciting adventures for us that you want to tell us about? Yeah, we're um, we're in February, and you're going to be the first to hear about this. We have partnered. Oh, this is really cool. We've partnered with Equality Vines out in Sonoma County in California, and we are releasing a choice Sauvignon Blanc. Which Excellent. is going to be wine. Yeah. So we, I'm a brewery. I can't make wine, but I can definitely partner with a vineyard. And this Equality Vines is actually owned, part owned by uh, Jim Obergfell, who was part of the named, he's a named plaintiff for the marriage equality case, the Supreme Court case. Oh. And he's, he's in Ohio. And uh, so they already are making uh, like, you know, wines for the LGBTQ community. Um, it's called Equality Vines. And so they're kind of doing what I'm doing uh, just with wine. So we 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 love each other. As soon as we met each other, we're like, yeah, like let's do something. So they're making a choice wine for me, and we're gonna do a pre-sale for that in February, and then uh, it's gonna come out in March. Outstanding! I look forward to that. All right, so February second is your birthday. Uh, Where's the event? Where can people find out about the uh, the details for your birthday if they're gonna volunteer? I'm gonna post about. I'm going to post it tomorrow on our Facebook page, but it's going to be uh, in the, the Rigby in downtown Madison uh, from seven to ten. Uh, you got to get a ticket, and we're you know you got to get a ticket, but uh, we're gonna you have to like show just like take a screenshot of like you signing up to volunteer for for a, for one of the campaigns, and so it'll be all it'll be all on our Facebook page. Just go to our Facebook page tomorrow, and you can find all out out all about. It. And this is, by the way, folks. Again, the race in Wisconsin for the Supreme Court. Uh, this it will impact not just the basic things when it comes to people's dignity, respect, and justice, but also gerrymandering, abortion rights, uh, so many things that we've been fighting for and uh, really need to move 
the ball down the field or the balls because there's a lot of guys involved. But uh, we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. See some of the hard work uh, that everyone does volunteering and of the support for people like Kirk Bangstead from Minocqua Brewing Company. And uh, when are you back? Are you in back in Chicago anytime soon? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working with uh, Jerry. But, you know, I just had a thought when you were saying, um, you know, like Indivisible, Evanston, all those folks that we were talking to before the, the general in uh, in November with the governor's race, all those folks can still call, can sign up to volunteer, even if you live in Chicago. This race, if we can flip the maps around, that means that in 2024, yes. we can have a much easier chance of retaking the House because we have a bunch of districts that are right on the right right on the cusp that were gerrymandered the wrong way, and then we have a much better chance of you know, making sure that our elect- election apparatus is strengthened. Right. Because if you have a better fair maps, then you- you're not going to have people elected in statewide offices, you know, that can screw with elections. Yep. Um, oh, that and that Supreme Court, uh, if it's progressive, they will overturn all these crazy things that have happened, like no drop box voting, right. like restricting absentee ballot voting. All that stuff can be relitigated before 2024, which will help Wisconsin, you know, get, elect a Democratic president. So it's it's. So if you're in Chicago, you can help by writing postcards, making phone calls, all that stuff. Excellent. Thank you for that reminder. It really is important. Well, Kirk, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I look forward to seeing you. I'll talk to you before your birthday, please. All right. I love that. Be well. Thanks, my friend. Take care. Thanks for all the support in these great conversations. Have a great night. Bye, Kirk. Bye. We got to take a break here. And when we come back, we'll wind down, uh, head into the home stretch. I'll try to get to your call, Roosevelt. Uh, someone just texted that they have, uh, they live on Devon and we, they woke up one morning and there were Willie Wilson signs all the way from Milwaukee to Caldwell. It's too early for that stuff to be happening, folks. If you see lawn signs on parkways, if it's not on property where people could have given permission, uh, call 311. Uh, you also, you're, you're able, if, if they're somewhere illegally, you have the right to just throw them away. And can I just say, when I ran, again, I know I, I come back to this, but I learned so much from it. There were people who told me they woke up one morning and there was just a lawn sign for one of the candidates on their lawn, that they didn't ask for it, it just showed up, and then they just left it there. You don't, you don't have to leave lawn signs in places they don't belong. All right, just wanted to get that out there. Say Rick. Think Theory Radio. Manipulating the masses is more utilizing propaganda, gaining a wide quadrant of the public, where crowd manipulation is more focused, like the divisionary tactics of these political parties. They utilize certain talking points and phrases to target specific groups that they want to maneuver and empower and, and get them to do their bidding. Think Theory Radio with Damien Perdue. Saturdays at 6 p.m. on WCPT 820. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Frank said from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. All right, let's wind this down. Take one more phone call. Roosevelt, under the wire. We got two minutes left. What's on your mind? Hey, Patty, thank you for taking my call. Hey, listen, 
I wanted to call about Willie Wilson, but the Lady B set me straight on a few things. Okay. And I was and I was mistaken. Uh, so I apologize to Lady B and Myrna because Myrna was saying very almost the very same things as far as Willie Wilson that he's been doing this for a long time. Right. Okay. So I'll give him the props on that. But the opti- op- optics don't look good. And I'm still curious. You were, you were asking for questions. Yes. Curious on what made him vote for Trump. Okay. That's just me. That's just me. All right. Okay. Now, let's set that one aside. Now, the reason why I mainly called you is the comparisons of the similarities between Trump's papers oh. and Biden's papers. Okay. Okay. Sure. Now, facts. The, the material that Trump took, the FBI, I don't know if it was leaked, but they reported that was very sensitive to our, to our um, defense, not defense, our, our security. Okay. Also, from the get go, he refused and ignored a subpoena. Yep. When do you get a subpoena? When you don't comply, when you don't cooperate. And notice his little band of uh, merry men that he has also ignored the subpoena, including the guys that are in the House of Representatives. Right. Now, back to, back to the papers. He was served with a subpoena, he ignored it. Then the FBI went and he said it was a raid. It was a raid. It's it's your fault that you didn't comply, that you didn't cooperate. So they had to go in there. And then once they went in there, his lawyers lied and said that that was it. Remember? So it's nowhere near the same thing. I know. I know. You and I, listen, here's the thing. Most of us, oh, look, I, I think it needs to be investigated. I want to know what yeah. happens. If he's broken the law, he should prosecute. Here's the thing. We believe that's the difference between Democrats and Republicans. We don't want the laws just to apply to the people we don't like. We no, want them to apply to everyone equally, can, and that's it. Can I, can okay. I say something else? I got Ten into seconds. it with, with some, some uh, Latin guys this weekend on uh, and they were saying the same thing. And then I said, wait a minute. You guys, meaning you Republicans, have been saying, including Fox News, that Biden has dementia. So when somebody has dementia, he's not going to remember what he's got. So I told him, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> and notice, the same thing with him. Right. I've lost the ability to talk now. I blame you, Roosevelt. I've got to run. Time's up. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Thanks, Roosevelt. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you, Lady B. Devil's, crew, devil, devil's Advocates are up next with my crew. Oops, sorry.